advertising is not designed to necessarily help you. It is designed to intercede your thoughts and emotionally motivate you. For women, advertising is all about the emotional motivation. And so we're targeted constantly with ideals of all different things and people outside of ourselves, of what the perfect or the best way or the best looking is. And then we hold ourselves up to a standard that's not even your own life. That's not even designed to be you. You are different. You are unique. You are yourself. And we lose sight of those gentle and loving and nurturing and compassionate ways because we become more self-indulged and self-absorbed chasing after an ideal that is just not us. Our Kim Kardashians, our Kylie Jenners, our Beyonce's, our Taylor Swift's. Welcome to She Is Risen, the podcast, where the woman new or mature to her faith can come to learn, decompress, and heal the anxiety keeping her from living a deeper, connected, meaningful, and purpose-led life. I'm your host, Riley June, cognitive behavioral therapist and woman of God. Six years ago, I was riddled with anxiety, lost in New Age practices, and I've been blessed to be saved and go on to help thousands of others heal their anxiety and deepen their relationship with Christ. You are not alone. I am here to help. Tune in for the weekly therapy your soul has been praying for. Hello, beautiful soul. Welcome back to another session. Today's session is going to be a really powerful one, and we're really going to be working together today to combat your self-doubt. Self-doubt is one of those sneaky, subconscious beliefs that we don't want to believe that we believe and have, but it shows up in a multitude of ways that maybe even you didn't expect um, self-doubt being the root cause of these particular thoughts and behaviors and reactions and responses. And so first, before we get into this, I want to acknowledge why self-doubt exists. First and foremost, you have to understand that there's really, if I'm going to oversight this, there's really two levels to self-doubt. There's the external, the societal conditioning, the expectations of the world, all those types of things. And then the second level of this is the internal state of being. And this is really more so um, inner child wounding and just how you were raised and the environment in which you were raised and the environments in which you are in right now. Some children grow up in a really loving, nurturing Um, very respectful home meaning that it's not that their parents it's not that your parents had didn't have problems everybody has conflicts if nobody does then we're all really avoiding a lot of things however growing up in a household where parents respectfully for the most part nobody's perfect address the problems that were at hand when hardships came about in whatever manner that they came they were dealt with relatively accordingly and um, quickly. Some people grow up in homes like that. And so there's not a lot of inner child wounding per se. However, when you get into elementary school and you start 
integrating yourself with other people. There could be bullying. There could be favoritism. There could be, you know, you're being challenged in a different way. So you come to realize at a young age that you have certain strengths and weaknesses and limitations and and, uh, and an ability to do things better than than others. And some people have more um, traumas or challenges that show up for them in elementary, high school, or even beyond high school. And then there are some who deal with a variance of complications throughout any of those stages. And what happens is there becomes a compilation of the external factors that are pressed on you that cause self-doubt. And then there comes the internal factors that press on you to build on self-doubt. First, I want to start with the external ones. Now, these are the more obvious ones. And if you've spent any time down any rabbit hole or have gone through any sort of awakening to just the contradictions and the brainwashing and the manipulation and the propaganda that exists in our world today, these things aren't going to surprise you for the most part. Some of them may, some of them may not. And then the internal ones, well, we really already addressed those. So I'm not going to spend too much more time there before we get into what self-doubt actually looks like in your life and how it's negatively impacting and influencing you. But most importantly, at the end, we're going to be talking about how growing your faith and relationship in Jesus really, truly does help overcome all of this. And I actually did a story today on my Instagram. If you follow me at the Riley June, you have seen this. And I was talking about my experience with confidence and really truly lack thereof and how I did a lot of things and made a lot of decisions based off of a lack of confidence and how personal development helped me build that self-awareness to be able to better understand and identify why I did the things that I do, why I was overreactive, why I had negative thoughts, why I had self-limitations, why I always dimmed my light around certain people or in certain places and, and motivating factors and so on and so forth. But then coming to Jesus really showed me that all the time spent in New Age spirituality actually only exacerbated my lack of confidence. It never helped me to overcome it, let alone get beyond it. Coming to Jesus really showed me what confidence... Unread males. <laughs> I wonder if the podcast actually just picked that up. So I don't know how to turn this off. My son, just a sidebar, my son, Noah, he comes on, he'll like get up on the chair. He has this new thing where he loves getting on the chairs now, which is like super anxious ridden for me because I'm chasing him around all day, making sure he doesn't fall off chairs. But I digress. He gets up on the chair at my computer and he starts like hammering on the keys. And I usually get to him pretty quickly because this is an expensive computer and I don't want it to break. Um, and I don't want him to fall off the chairs. Anyways, he turned on this thing where every once in a while, it's not at a particular time, but just every once in a while, the computer like shouts out at us how many unread emails there are. And I don't know from what email account, like if you have a Mac, there's the email that's connected to your Gmail typically. But that is like closed down. I go through my husband's emails every day to clear out his box. I don't have notifications. I don't have 10,000 emails sitting in my junk or my inbox or my other. Like I don't have that. I don't have that on my husband's either because he never deals with those kinds of things. So I just do it for him. I clear them out, get rid of all the junk, unsubscribe. Anyways, we don't have that. So I don't know where these emails are that this computer is telling me and I don't know how to turn this off. So if in the background of now and, and future <laughs> podcasts, until I get this figured out, 
you hear this in the background, just know I don't know how to deal with that. So we're going to roll with it. Okay, so let's talk about the external factors of what causes self-doubt in you. From a very young age, women are guided to be the mothering, nurturing, cares, and roles. And that is very important and it's very valuable because all of future generations will only ever come from women. And that is something that I feel like our society is really losing sight of, whether because, whether it's because people have become very delusional to the fact that that is true or because people don't want to, in air quotes, hurt other people's feelings by simply just telling them the truth. And so as women, we are designed not only as a societal role, uh, but as an innate role. Like it is ingrained within us to be nurturers, to be mothers, to be caregivers. And yes, I want to acknowledge and just bring so much healing and awareness and love and grace to those of you who are listening to this who may have lost a child or may be trying to conceive and struggling with fertility or anything of that accord that deep desire within you that innate design within you is not there for no reason it is a god-given reason and at some point god will offer you that child that he does promise to women now we live in a day and age where women have so many things that we have to be more mindful of in terms of what types of food we're eating, what types of beverages we're drinking, what types of toxins that we have consumed. Mold toxicity is a massive problem for a lot of women trying to conceive. If you struggle with this, I highly recommend you go and check out Doc Jacques, D-O-C underscore J-A-C-Q-U-E. I'll link him in the comments below. I talk about him often on here. If you deal with any sort of physical ailments or issues, I highly recommend you go see him anyways. Um, but mold is something that severely affects the body and even if you're not someone who's trying to conceive but you have mystery illnesses and ailments oftentimes things like Lyme can present really because of mold toxicity so there's a multitude of different things for you to just kind of grow in awareness surrounding if you're struggling with issues in your body and complications in your body but I digress so we women we have this innate ability to mother and nurture if you are a woman and you have grown up in a household where your mother was very hypercritical of you, your looks, your performance, um, was very detached, maybe she had addiction problems, uh, spent a lot of time out of the home, if there was any sort of fidelity on her end that existed, if there were any um, high anxieties that existed, OCD, uh, hyperattention deficit disorder, like just inability to focus, you know, your mother often sent you to the corner or to your room to deal with your emotions she didn't sit with you at eye level and really like get to be wasn't really present with you you likely struggle with some of those aspects those reactions and responses of what she essentially conditioned within you and though that one is more of an internal factor for what causes you self-doubt it's that premise of us having that innate desire and design to nurture and to love and to care now the world this is how this relates to the world the world understands that and if the world can get women to become more self-involved then we won't have that ability to nurture and to care you have to understand that at the deepest levels of deception and inception subconsciously you have to be able to break through an innate design, an innate, um, what's the word? 
I don't use the word condition, an innate um, factor, influence of who we are. You have to be able to break that barrier, right? So if a woman is designed to be nurturing and caring and loving and gentle, the world, society, propaganda, Hollywood, media has to find a way to penetrate that. And some of you already know where I'm going with this. And if you can guess what that what that influence is or often is the biggest one, what is the number one toy that girls get given when they're little girls? Barbies. So we get handed this ideal, with air quotes, of what a woman should look like. Big boobs, small waist, relatively broad shoulders, skinny arms, skinny legs, big hips, round butt, right? Perfect chiseled face, perfect hair, unless you're anything like me and your Barbie's hair didn't last (laughs) in their perfect state after like the first five days. I was the one to cut all of their hair off (laughs) or in some cases even set them on fire. Like I'm not sure what I was thinking, but anyways, it was my initial rebellion. (laughs) Um, this was like when I was like 10, by the way. I'm not playing with lighters when I'm like four, five, six, seven years old. Yeah, right. Anyways, so we get handed Barbies. And so it is the first level of inception because Barbies get very vibrant clothes and very vibrant jewelry and very vibrant homes and very vibrant cars. And so they get all these very vibrant colors. And so color association and this depiction of an ideal woman is what we are given at a very young age. Now, whether you were conscious of this or not, you began to emulate your Barbies. You would start dressing them in the way that you desired, in the way that you felt made them look good. And some girls made their Barbies look more traditional-based, homesteady. Some girls made their Barbies look more famous and fashionable. Um, some girls made their Barbies look more business-orientated and or casual or like teacher-esque, right? And so dependent upon even some of your subconsciously designed interests, believe it or not, a lot of it really does play all into each other. At a very young age, that question, what do you want to be when you're older? That is in a way an inception. However, it's also, you know, children will say things either very imaginative or you will often find that some of the kids who go on to say certain things at a very young age, actually a lot of children who go on to say specific roles and duties at a very young age actually end up going on to pursue them whether they stay in them or not but nonetheless there's something within them at a very young age that is triggered by interest and if you've listened to previous podcasts you know that there's two things that we have no control over and it is our interests and it is our challenges even if we go down all the rabbit holes of how you made decisions to get to places that you are and how certain influencing factors made you the person who you are that led you to these certain challenges or interests right taking all that out there are two things you truly cannot choose right? Uh, There are some people who couldn't imagine living a life without baking and there are other people who couldn't imagine a life baking, right? So I digress. So society intercedes and incepts at a very early age for women. And so self-doubt plays a very big role in a lot of girls, in a lot of women, even later on in their life, much later on in their life. And self-awareness and personal development didn't become a, a raving um, a raving experience and, and a pursued experience is what I'm looking for until later in the 90s. 
And now that we're into 2024, I was going to say 2023, 2024, personal development and self-awareness and, and personal growth, all these things are very much a part of a lot of people's lives. Even if they don't pursue it, they have absolutely heard of it, or at the very least, they've absolutely heard of a life coach, whether they know what it is or not. Even my grandmother knows what a life coach is. She doesn't know what it is, but she's heard of a life coach, okay, in many factors, because I am that. So with that being said, at a very early age, there's an inception on women's innate design, which is to be caring, to be gentle, um, to be nurturing, and to be very loving. As we get placed things like Barbies, the next level is then creating um, popular groups. We go into school, we get integrated into groups with other girls and women, and then that sense of jealousy and envy and idolization kicks in. So you have the popular girls and the less popular girls and the nerdy girls and the athletic girls and the sporty girls and the, the, the whatever, the other girls. They're all different categories of girls. And dependent upon who you are, which by the way, even the ones that are seemingly popular or athletic or let's say more competitive or motivated – there's, they still face the same problems. And so then we go to that next level within the external factors that influence self-doubt and you get now into careers and into education and into motherhood and now we have social media and we have Victoria's Secret models and we have like Lisenza and we have all these stores that again show women in particular body styles with bras and so on and so forth. And I think it's really beautiful that there is more inclusion in terms of body types and this idea of body positivity where in it, it's one of those catch-22s because advertising is not designed to necessarily help you. It is designed to intercede your thoughts and emotionally motivate you. For women, advertising is all about the emotional motivation. And so we're targeted constantly with ideals of all different things and people outside of ourselves of what the perfect or the best way or the best looking is. And then we hold ourselves up to a standard that's not even your own life. That's not even designed to be you. You are different. You are unique. You are yourself. And we lose sight of those gentle and loving and nurturing and compassionate ways because we become more self-indulged and self-absorbed chasing after an ideal that is just not us. Our Kim Kardashians, our Kylie Jenners, our Beyonce's, our Taylor Swift's. And if you go through a lot of these people's stories, idols, Victoria's Secret models, even Taylor Swift has a documentary, they all speak out on how chasing this ideal look for themselves. Mothers do this all the time. They watch other mothers on Instagram or social media or have friends that are moms in real life and they idolize them. Oh, she has her life together. She's doing this. She has this, these many kids and she has these schedules and she manages this. Nobody genuinely, honestly, openly, even you, shares 100% or is even 100% aware of who they are and why they do what they do and why they reach outside of themselves and don't feel good enough. So this self-doubt is interceding 
in our lives due to external factors on in one level, okay? Self-doubt shows up in our thoughts first. And I'm going to continue this episode from from a notion or understanding that you understand self-awareness to a degree where you're relatively aware of why you do what you do and at the very least that you can identify some of your negative self-talk. Self-doubt shows up in scenarios such as getting dressed and not feeling good enough with your own clothes that you bought that are hanging in your closet or on your shelves or in your drawers and not feeling good in those clothes for two reasons. One, you don't feel good enough where you are and so you keep clothes that are too small for you and you don't want to give them away for when you get back into pre-baby size, pre-whatever size. So you keep clothes that don't fit you, that you don't feel good in when you put them on. That is where self-doubt is showing up because you've spent a lifetime chasing after an ideal of what somebody else looks like and you're not honoring where you are in your life. Or you keep clothes that are too big because you want to hide away your body. Or when I lose more weight, when I look a different way, then I'll go get new clothes. For $20, you can go to a Bissell or a thrift shop and you can get incredible clothes. Yeah, you might need a little bit more time to sh- sift through things. I'm going to say shift through things. Sift through things. But I've gotten designer jeans for $4 that fit me. I got all my after pregnancy clothes. I realized that I needed to honor my body and I was five sizes bigger than I have ever been. And instead of being in doubt and blame and shame about where I was and fitting into clothes that didn't fit me or hiding in clothes that were too big for me, I went and actually just got the pants size that fit me. I went and actually just got larger tops. I went and actually just bought bras that were bigger. Well, sports bras, I haven't worn one for seven years, like a bra bra, Um, but I digress. So self-doubt will show up in your life, in your thoughts and your reactions and your facial expressions when you're getting dressed in the morning. Self-doubt is also going to show up if you are someone who constantly gets in your head and overthinks everything. You don't feel confident enough in your capabilities or in your ability to make decisions and stick with them and follow through and not only just follow through, but be consistent. Self-doubt also shows up if you're someone who has faced, and now we're going like an internal influence on self-doubt, a lot of rejection and abandonment in your life. You don't feel safe in groups of people, let alone around people that you even love and know, maybe even intimately and personally. This can also show up around a husband. Um, and a spouse, not wanting to get undressed in front of them or hiding your body. This is a really, this is a really big conversation for a lot of people. We're not going to spend too much time here because I really just want to kind of trigger the thought process of you thinking, becoming more aware of how self-doubt is showing up in your life. If you are someone who absolutely avoids yourself in the mirror, right? Aside from like brushing your teeth and often even still, you'll look all around the room and think about your towels and look at the floor and oh, I should probably clean that spot and look in your bathtub and oh, that needs a wash too or start cleaning up your counter while you're brushing your teeth. You'll avoid yourself in the mirror. You'll get dressed and you'll like walk out and you won't even double check to see what you look like. 
This is where self-doubt is showing up. Because at some point, external factors or internal factors have influenced you to believe, interceded to make you believe that who you are in whatever season of your life is not good enough. That it isn't, that you aren't beautiful enough. That you suck or you don't know enough. Or that you don't have enough. And self-doubt starts in our thoughts. Everything you experience physically starts with a thought. Even to eat, right? In order to eat, there has to be a thought. Your hypothalamus triggers a chemical reaction in your brain because it is cued that your body is hungry. And then you go, oh, I'm hungry. Probably in your head, not necessarily out loud. Or if you're like me and you're around your husband and you're starting to get in a mood, you're like, oh, I'm really hungry. I'm starting to get hangry. And then it creates a feeling. Now you get that feeling that you're hungry. And so then you go and take the action to go and get food. Self-doubt, all things, literally all things, start in the same form. Your thoughts create a feeling. Your feelings create an action and your actions create a response. Okay? Here's how self-doubt shows up in your reactions. If you struggle with self-doubt, at your core, you typically tend to be quick to anger. You identify as empathic. I'm very hypersensitive. I'm very over-emotional. I'm very ADHD, OCD. There is this lack of confidence in you where you don't trust your own emotions. And so you respond and you react overtly and sometimes in exacerbated ways and I share this with you because I've had to identify all these things within me I used to be very very quick to anger I was very resentful at one point towards my husband even though the circumstances he went through all of his hard stuff was completely out of his control I became in a sense resentful to him and I didn't want to admit it out loud And so because I wasn't willing to be honest with myself and how I felt, even though it was something that he couldn't control and I didn't have a justifiable reason to even feel that way, so I tried to suppress it and avoid it and ignore it, I could have just addressed it, talked it out with him and been perfectly fine and moved on. But instead I stuffed it down. And so I doubted my position in my household and I became very quick to anger. So when my children were upset or having emotional breakdowns or whatever, I got immediately frustrated, hyper anxious, and was very quick to yell. I would use the guise of I'm empathetic. I'm very empathic. I'm very sensitive to emotions as an excuse to not be honest and take control of my reactions because I had self-doubt. Because I didn't have the confidence to trust in myself to make the changes to be consistent to heal and follow through with that. Uh, When you're around other people and you tend to get choked up or a lot of people like to identify as introverted or you can pick an astrological sign or an enneagram number and say, yeah, I'm this so I'm introverted so I don't like integrating with people. It's not true. You do. You just don't feel safe. And so your response is to become more introverted and silent because you don't feel like what you have to say 
or maybe what you're wearing or who you are in that day or what's going on in your life is good enough to be around the people that you're around. If you choke up in conversation when someone's sharing their feelings and emotions, maybe even in a very emotionally expressive way, very passionate way, maybe even in an angrily way, and you tend to cower, and I say this because I used to do this, if someone would get mad at me, even if they were being respectful, so they weren't yelling at me, they were mad, I did something that genuinely did piss them off, I would cower away, I would shut down, I would just stop talking. And it got to the point where I wasn't even willing to address what they were saying and I would walk away. And in some cases, I would walk away and then I'd go and pick up like six or seven shifts for the next like few weeks or a few days so that I could completely avoid and ignore them. Because I didn't have the confidence in myself to share what I had to share because I didn't know how to deal with my own emotions and so their reactions were too much for me. And so I just walk away. Choking back on your feelings and your thoughts is a sign that you have a core issue in self-doubt. May, unable to make decisive decisions. You make one decision, you change your mind. It's time. This is a really great exercise for a lot of people. It's kind of become normalized where it's like, oh, I don't know what to make for dinner. I don't know what to eat. I don't know what to make for dinner. Here's the truth. If you look at the food that you eat in a month span, there's maybe 15, 20 options that you actually ever pick with maybe four or five thrown in there that are different, but oftentimes not very often. So making decisive decisions, even starting with dinner and food choices, or if it's time for a meal, you maybe you genuinely are actually hungry, but then you avoid it because it requires you to make a decision. Self-doubt is at play here. Let's go into the last category. So we talked about our thoughts. We talked about our reactions and how self-doubt shows up. Now let's talk about our habits. Our thoughts create our feelings. Our thoughts create our reactions. Our reactions create a response. Our response, thoughts create our feelings. Our feelings create an action. Our action creates a response. So now we're going to look at our habits. Okay. Your responses to self-doubt. Avoidance. We've talked about this. Um, Can't stick to one thing. You bounce all over the place, whether it's financials from one coach to another, from one bank to another, from one spending budgeting system to another, from one budget book to the next, to not saving, to saving, to you're all over the place. There's no consistency. It is health. You're on a diet, you're off a diet. You're on this diet, you're off that diet. You're taking these supplements, you're taking those supplements. You're on this 10-day cleanse, you're on that 10-day cleanse. You're all over the place. You can't stick to one thing. You don't believe in your capability to be consistent enough to follow through with one method and strategy for long enough, which is typically 90 days, to actually see if it is something that will work for you. Avoiding eye contact. This is a big one. If you carry a deep wound and self-doubt, you avoid eye contact. We talked about this before, never feeling good in your clothes. Having addictions that require you to be involved in others' lives or very self-indulged in your own. So this will show up if you're someone who drinks, drinks more excessively, 
And yes, drinking even a drink a day is actually quite excessive. And there's actually studies done on women where even having two to three drinks a week, even if it's that Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, drinking relatively consistently throughout the week and then not drinking actually drives your anxiety up. Because your body is getting used to going through a certain detox, but it's also getting used to having a certain stimulant coming in. And so when you stop that altogether, you have likely found or you will find that your anxiety goes up a bit. But good news is your body is designed to course correct. So give it a couple weeks and you'll feel much better. Um, Pot smokers. Where are my pot smokers at? I also want to say that none of what I'm sharing today is designed to shame you. And all of what I'm sharing today has been case studies from clients, case studies from like psychology literature, as well as a case study on myself. So I'm able to create this compilation of breaking down self-doubt in this way because a lot of these things I've experienced myself. So I'm not sharing any of this with you today so that you walk away feeling doubt and guilt and shame I am sharing this so that you can have more awareness of how self-doubt is really, truly hindering you from getting better and truly having confidence to move forward in your life, not dimming your light, not people-pleasing, being able to get dressed confidently, being able to throw away clothes that don't fit you, be able to be consistent in healthy habits, have more fun in the bedroom with your spouse, have more fun in life in general with your kids at work. My pot smokers, this really falls into the avoidance category. Um, If you are someone who has deep emotional wounds, especially around abandonment and rejection, it is very likely that you have taken up or still, at one point you have taken up or you still smoke a lot of pot. Um, Marijuana numbs your system. It's a relaxant. And what it also does is it emotionally takes away your ability to be connected. So you're very disconnected when you smoke pot. You're very self-indulged in your own head, in your own body, in your own relaxant state. And it is why people, there's the whole stereotype of pot smokers, all they do is sit on the couch or all they do is just eat a bunch of food or all they do is just like, I don't know, just avoid. It's just avoid, 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 right? It's avoidance. Um, the other one is you face constant burnout and a lot of that has to do with the inconsistency, the not being able to stick to one thing, avoiding, there's something you're not dealing with. These are the habits that typically show up for those who struggle with deep levels of self-doubt. And when you're addressing self-doubt, you can't just blame it on the external, Well, propaganda and Hollywood and the media and the world elites and all these people, blah, blah, blah. The Barbie designers, Disney is a great example too. All they did was intercede and they implanted these thoughts in my subconscious at a young age and that's why I have this self-doubt. No. You also have to address the internal. Because it's never just one thing. Two things can be true at one time. There is also external, internal factors, sorry. And maybe... You grew up in a life where you relatively didn't have much trauma, where you didn't really experience anything very tumultuous that would have taken you off your feet. 
but it could have been micro traumas. It could have been micro like comments that were made consistently over time. It could have been actions somebody else had against you. It could be things that you chose to do towards yourself. I used to binge eat. I didn't want to address that. Coming to Jesus and being held accountable to deep levels of self-honesty and radical responsibility called me to address that issue called me to address how my self-doubt was presenting as anxiety and I wanted to blame anxiety it's all because of these things and these things unprocessed but then in Jesus it was like trust in the Lord with all your heart lean not on your own understanding in all your ways submit to him and he will make your path straight and I was like okay I'm going to not I'm going to I get to look at how I am sabotaging myself how I am being inconsistent, how I'm unwilling to let go of my jeans that don't fit me anymore because I might one day fit in them. Well, when I might one day fit in them, I'll go shopping even if it's thrifting. Right? At every stage of your life from a baby to an adult, you have been able to, as you grow, go and get the clothes that you needed to clothe your body appropriately. As adults, when we go through life with these subconscious wounds and these external influences and internal influences weighing on your shoulders, it typically tends to be the wardrobe that's the biggest trigger for a lot of women. And we don't want to address it. But this episode is designed to help you to see that you can address it. Now, here's the, better, here's the even better news. I spent a lot of time in personal development. I spent four years, well, three and a half years, almost four years in personal development, self-awareness building, intuition, understanding, connection, new age spirituality. I studied the goddesses. I studied the different religions. I studied, okay, religion and oversight. I studied the different goddesses. I studied the different spiritual methods, the NLP, the, um, the, Oh my goodness, so many Reiki, card readings, quantum healing. I studied all of this stuff, the chakras, the auras. And in all of those things, my goal was to become more confident, more authentic, and to not carry this list of challenges with me any longer. And all that did was, one, bring self-awareness to how many issues I really did have, which is good. But then two, what's not so good is it exacerbated all of them because I was constantly leaning on my own understanding to try and get rid of them. And I got stuck like so many people in this self-savior complex of both I am the problem and the solution. And if you've ever been in anything spiritual, you know that at every level there's a new devil and know that it's true. You don't need to address everything all the time. Yeah, there are some things that I really did need to become, uh, really did need to be made aware of and where they stemmed from because it helped me to better understand why I idolized certain people, why I avoided certain things, why I was inconsistent in many areas of my life that was valuable and important. And then in Jesus, I realized that having that self-awareness allowed me to just let it go faster. 
I could identify it, I could give it to him and I could move on. I could identify it, I could give it to him and I could move on. So I wasn't constantly going back to revisit needing to do all these meditations with my inner child and saying sorry and thankful and and whatever, having these deep inner battles with past lives and parents and whoever in my life and burning letters. I didn't need to do any of that anymore because the reality was I did all that and it didn't help me. And coming into Jesus, I was able to submit to him in all my ways and he made my path straight. You know, it's such a beautiful thing. Ephesians 2.8, for by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God so that no one may boast, so that you truly cannot be self-indulged. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. He created the most beautiful manual of life. And he shows us through his word how righteous, just, and holy he is. It's so interesting. I was doing a Bible study with my kids this morning. We're in the book of Daniel. And at the end, we're talking about the story where Daniel gets thrown into the lion's den. And the way that Daniel got into the lion's den was because these other, I called them the policemen because the words in the Bible the kids didn't understand, but <laughs> these other like counselors and overseers, the authorities of, of the king's court um, didn't like Daniel because he was a faithful man. Daniel was the only one who prayed to his God, to the true God and not to the king. And so all these other men didn't like that. And so they conspired against him to get the king to create a law that would have Daniel thrown in lion's den. And so Daniel, in fact, broke the law and went to the lion's den. And because Daniel was a faithful man, the angel Gabriel saved him. He came into the, the cave and he shut the lion's mouth so that they could not devour him. And so when the king came in the morning, believing in Daniel, believing in Daniel's God, the king was so struck throughout the night, lost all his sleep, came first thing in the morning, only to realize that, in fact, the God of Daniel, Daniel's God, had saved him. And what the king did to be like to show justice was took all the men who conspired against Daniel and threw him through them and their wives and their children's in the den where they were devoured by the lions. You see, God offers you such a peace and a faithfulness and an opportunity to not have to always be constantly in this battle of self-doubt. Coming to Jesus and growing in my faith and growing in my relationship. I've talked about this before. At the beginning of 2023, God put it on my heart to work on becoming a more present and patient mother. And I didn't know what that meant because there is like literally no steps for that. And there is no self-development program for that. And it doesn't matter how much awareness you might have how to be that is not something that's just obvious for a lot of people, especially if you grow up with a mom who sends you to your room when you're having emotional outbursts or is very anxious when there's high emotions or doesn't handle conflicts very well or struggles to, to really nurture and to care. And not because I say that because my mom didn't love me or anything like that, but she had a lot of those same things inflicted on her as a child and that's just what she knew and my mom was very loving and very protective of us 
but sitting on the couch and cuddling in her lap wasn't something I ever have a memory of. Maybe it existed, but I'm not, I can't honestly say that it did. With that being said, I had to unlearn those things. And when God put it on my heart at the beginning of last year, it wasn't me going out and losing weight or making more money or putting my kids in all these programs or joining another program that was going to allow me to figure out how to do that. It was through taking the self-awareness that I had to identify the thoughts and the reactions and the habits that I did have and bringing them to the word. All my education and learning and knowledge brought me to learning more self-awareness. And then I had to take that to the word. And that's something that's missing in traditional therapy. It's also something that's missing in anything spiritual. Is you take it and you burn it to the moon or to the sun or to a god or to a goddess or to a deity or to some sort of magical spell. None of that is going to help you. Or in traditional therapy, you bring it to your therapist. It's like, well, in some cases, talk therapy is very helpful. A lot of people, the biggest problem is that they just don't know who to talk to or they don't have anyone who will just sit and listen or just sit and talk to them. It's actually a big problem for a lot of people and also one of the greatest solutions for a lot of people. However, if you're really looking for a true soulful healing, build that self-awareness and take it to the word. If you are truly willing to be a faithful and a person who surrenders and a person who lets go, and a person who forgives, and a person, a woman who comes back to that loving, gentle, nurturing, caring part of you that is innately within you, that is protected even when the world internally and externally corrupts it. If you want to come back to that, take your self-awareness of what your thoughts are and your actions are and your habits and bring them to the word. And that's going to look different for every person. You know, a big part of me going back to school, there was these thoughts where it's like, who, you know, I've spent all this time building this authority and who I am and what I do. Who's going to take me seriously? I'm going to look like a failure going back to school. Maybe my business wasn't doing very well. Maybe all these things. My thoughts just spiraled about very self-indulged, self-absorbed thoughts of what me going to school and coming to Christ and talking more about this or pointing people more to God versus to me. In all things New Age spirituality, if you want to learn your intuition, I was the person to go to because I had a very unique way to teach it to people where they would get it within one to two sessions, typically one. I have this gift where I can profile people very accurately without even getting any forms or information on you. I don't need your birthday to your phone number or I just need your first name. And oftentimes I don't even need that. I could just look at somebody and I can profile them. I just have this ability. And so that was something that I trained on and I grew into and then was deceptively used through the enemy to inflate me and my own ego. Now I take those skills. I help clients through breakthrough sessions and I point you to Jesus I help you through breakthrough sessions to become more self-aware so you can take it to Jesus. Because at the end of the day, your eternal life is not resting on my soul or on me helping you. It's on Jesus. 
all this self-doubt that you carry buried in you. It weighs like a sack of bricks on your back every day. And at this point, you're probably exhausted. And as a byproduct, your adrenals have burnt out and your gut health is trashed and your heart palpitates. And it's likely your shoulders and your neck or your lower back are absolutely in so much pain because around your shoulders and your neck is where you carry anger and resentment and around your lower back is where you carry all that self-doubt and lack of confidence. And it's so interesting how all these things are interconnected. But most importantly, the only way to truly find your confidence is in him because when I decompressed all of this for myself and I studied my clients and I look at the word and as I became aware of my self-doubt and as they became aware of their self-doubt and they took it to Jesus, they didn't have to fix it. They didn't have to heal it. They didn't have to do something or write 300 million affirmations or journal for six hours a day, lines and lines of I am positive and I am confident, I am beautiful, I am great and I am this and I am that. They didn't have to put all the sticky notes on the mirror for reminders because their confidence was no longer needed to be rooted in themselves. It became rooted in Jesus. When my confidence became rooted in Jesus because of who God is and what he promises, I just naturally became more confident because life was no longer about me anymore. And it was the most freeing thing. And then the self-awareness allowed me to catch myself when I was getting overreactive to my kids or when I was trying to hide my body or when I was storing old clothes or when I was binge eating or when I was choking up in conversations. I could become aware of these things. I say, Jesus, you know what? I feel like there's an attack on me or I feel like there's old programming coming up in me or I feel not strong enough to handle this right now. I call on you to fill me with your Holy Spirit, your grace, your might, and your love and guide me in the way forward that you need me to best show up as even if I don't feel worthy of that. And in so many ways, I started to slowly talk more to my husband. And my husband is a very passionate person and words really matter to him. And so when I say things, I'm also someone who says things, but now I've learned to context it. So I'll say, okay, I'm going to say something and it might come out wrong. So give me a minute and I will likely have to correct myself. So I'll say because I would say something and then the way that I would say it would totally derail the conversation and I would just get so like flabbergasted that I didn't even know where to pick up and start because then he would go off or I'd say something relatively insulting and it wasn't meant to be insulting it was meant to be like critical like critical judgment and it was like it was a whole became a whole thing so I've learned to communicate better so I started to communicate and then I learned that I needed to put a caveat on what I was about to say so that he could manage his expectations and his reactions and give me the minute that I needed to get whatever is in my brain out and then communicate more effectively And so these are just ways that I have learned to grow in confidence and to not hold back and to be able to make more better decisions and to be consistent in the things that are pushing me forward. Yeah, it's going to stretch you. And yeah, it's going to feel real uncomfortable. But remember that the more you focus on you needing to fix the problems and you needing to be the confident one for yourself, 
the more the enemy is going to taunt you with pain and ego and overwhelm and anxiety. And I don't know about you, but I am so sick and tired of giving him any room in me anymore, including my life. I only want God to work through me. And am I going to be perfect at that all the time? Absolutely not. Are you? No, not a chance. But here's the thing. For by grace you have been saved through faith. The beautiful thing about Jesus is that it is your faith in him and your pursuance of a relationship in him where then the Holy Spirit can come into you and motivate and influences the changes that you make so that when you're on a path to shut down or avoid or overreact or self-indulge or make egoic decisions or binge on social media and other people's stuff or whatever and feel jealous, you will catch yourself in the process. I used to think, how am I supposed to catch myself in the moment when I'm like freaking out? I stopped having to figure out how to do that and the Holy Spirit started to intercede. So in the moment where I really start to feel it boil up, even today, I'll... Okay, we're going to just catch ourselves here. And my brain, it's ramped up, it's got adrenaline pumping, and so it would feel so good to yell... But I don't. I don't anymore. Because the Holy Spirit takes over. And I don't have to go through 300 different scenarios of how what I'm about to say next is going to influence my kids and how it's going to disrupt the nervous system and how la 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 la. I don't need to do that anymore. New age, if you've been in it, it puts you on the spiral of going through all of that constantly. I don't need to do that anymore. The Holy Spirit intercedes. It didn't always at first. It took me a year. It's taken me a year to get to here. I started this literally last year on my birthday. So it hasn't even been a year. I started in February. And after a year of building my relationship in Jesus and getting in the word, not every day, but almost every day and more and more almost every day, um, as time went on, now it's every day. I don't have to worry about these things anymore. When I'm struggling with something, like I had a dream. I'll finish with this. I had a dream the other night that was really interesting. And I have really interesting prophetic dreams. Like I had a dream um, during 2020 where um, it had to do with uh, Donald Trump and something that was going to happen and it wasn't like COVID coming out but just something that was going to happen I can't remember what it was and then and then it ended up happening and then I had another dream of Trudeau like the Canadian Prime Minister and I'm having these secret houses and these secret relationships and a lot of people not knowing about the secret life that he lived and like literally in the last three four the last four years it's all come out and it's the anyways I digress So I had this dream the other night and it was me back at school. And so my first semester back at university, like right now, went relatively well. I got pretty good grades in my psych class. I didn't do as well as I thought on all the tests and the modules. Like I loved learning about it. It was really interesting, but I struggle with memorization. And so I just haven't figured out the best form for me to memorize things, especially in large volumes of information. So I didn't do very well on the final exam. However, I digress. That will be corrected. And so in the 
this next semester, there's so much content of reading and a lot of it, a lot of the information, especially for my philosophy class, is very like high level um, uh, um, consciousness. It's very high level consciousness, but from a very old language and way of viewing things like ancient Greek philosophers, the like original eight. And since I don't tap into high levels of consciousness anymore, a lot of this stuff feels very foreign. It feels like it just doesn't make sense. And it's like there's so many things that I'm going through with like just realizing the again, the interceding of the subconscious mind and the deception that exists in educational institutions. But anyways, so it's really hard for me to get through the material. And I'm getting in my head about these thoughts about being behind and not being good enough and going back to, you know, when I was in school many years ago, almost 10 years ago, actually 10 years ago for accounting, I didn't do very well. Schooling for me was more of an avoidance tactic. I went there thinking that I was going to get this great job, realized that I wanted nothing to do with the field that I was in, did not do very well. Somehow I passed it. I don't know how, but I got a diploma. Anyways, um, so I had this dream the other night where just because of the context of these new classes and how much reading there is to do and I full-time business, momming, homeschooling, tempting to do school stuff. Noah's in this phase where he literally has to be watched 24-7 all day, which not that he wouldn't have needed to be anyways, um, but he just needs more and more attention, which is fine. Happy to give it to him. Um, with that, I have to really be diligent about time management with schooling. So I have this dream where I'm in a school and I'm trying to find the philosophy class and I can't find it for the life of me. I'm going up and down elevators and escalators and and along the way I'm running into old people that I knew and they're very happy to see me. And it's people that I have history with that didn't end on the greatest of terms. And so these people are very happy to see me and they've moved on with their lives and they have these really great things going for them and it's very pleasant, very cordial. There's like no strings attached, no animosity, no nothing. Just like a very happy introduction. And along the way to this philosophy class, I'm I'm just running into people. And at some point in my dream, I think, well, maybe I just don't need to go to this class. And then eventually I finally find the class and I realize that there's all these in-person lectures that I'm not going to be able to attend all of them because I have all these responsibilities at home and I won't have a babysitter full time. Again, all in the dream. And so I leave the class feeling defeated and I come out and there's like a bookstore. But the bookstore is primarily for all occultic stuff, readings and oracle cards and, and it's designed for a specific course. And in my dream, I think to myself, man, I should just take that course, get some wicked credits, crush the class, and like just do so well. And then I wake up. And there was two really important themes that existed in this dream that is going to tie this whole message together and how this has to do with self-doubt. When before Jesus, before even personal development, I spent a lot of time avoiding hard conversations, choking up, not sharing my thoughts, my feelings, avoiding running, sabotaging, cheating, because I didn't want to have to deal with like just working things out. I didn't know how to. My nervous system didn't know how to. My brain didn't know how to. I was never taught that. I never took responsibility to learn it. I didn't know how to. A condition of external, a condition of internal, and I wasn't willing to be very self-accountable. So it was easier for me to run. 
So I burned a lot of relationships doing that. Well, mostly romantic relationships. With that being said, coming to new age helped me to build the self-awareness to realize that that is something that I did. And that is something that I carry actually a lot of guilt and resentment about. Or not resentment, a lot of guilt and shame about. So then that has been a lot of influencing factors in what has built self-doubt in me up until really truly coming to Jesus. And in this dream, I'm walking by all these people that I burnt what I thought was these bridges with, and they didn't even have two, th- two negative thoughts about me. They were happy to see me. They had recognized we had all grown up and moved on and things happened in the past is the past. And so I realized that in my dream, I was rectifying and reconciling old beliefs and paradigms of being worried about how these people perceived me. And in my dream, I was also recognizing where I was being taunted with old ways and um, copping out and just falling back to things that were neutral to me. Not that new age stuff isn't neutral, but just that, oh, I was good at that and I know that and I'm confident in the fact that I was good at that, so I should just do that. So there was these temptations that were leaking back into my dreams because there was seams of self-doubt about my ability to do well in this course or to even complete this course at all, and specifically philosophy. And so when I woke up, I made a decision to pray and to dive into the word with Jesus. And you know what I did after that? I went and studied my philosophy. And even though it seems so hard to understand, without choosing to literally tap into the energy of the people who are saying the things, because I could do that, but I'm not going to do that. It's not of God. I'm going to just choose to learn and adapt in a new way as God is showing me. See, the, temp- the devil works in mysterious ways. Okay, the devil is equally at play here just as much as God is. And I get to choose which side I'm going to be on every day. And it's so interesting that this philosophy course is that paradigm for me where I can choose to consciously tap into the consciousness of these philosophers and get exactly what they're saying. Or I can choose the righteous, godly, holy way and just learn a new way of um, dissecting this language and understanding who they are from a more profiled way so that I can understand the language versus tapping into the energetics of it. Now, some might say, well, that's not wrong, but it is because I'm using a power greater than what God says that we are supposed to have. And so the enemy doesn't have to say, hey, if you you could use this, you could use this and it'll be great and it'll be glorious and you'll get all these great grades. He goes, hmm. Isn't that interesting that you knew and you know how to do this and you could just, you could tap in. You could see what they're all about. You could get it like this. And it's not by coincidence that in my dream, New Age, this Oracle bookstore and this philosophy course were both there. 
that the devil showed me that I'm not going to get philosophy so I should get energy or I should choose energy. And in reality, I'm toying with this, well, I could just tap in and get it. And philosophy says, or you could just learn about it. And God says, you could just learn about it. You can learn a new way to learn about it. And that's not wrong. And you're not using the temptations and powers of the enemy. So self-doubt would guide me to make the decision to choose consciousness to get philosophy. Confidence in God and his good grace is going to call me to and is calling me to to choose to learn a different way to interpret and understand the philosophy course and to stay consistent and diligent and showing up to read the work and study it the right way. Don't let self-doubt hold you back any longer. Don't let it hinder your relationships. Don't allow it to hinder you from loving on those in your life and caring for yourself and being present and patient with your children and your husband and your coworkers and your family and your friends. Don't allow this self-doubt to hinder you from going and getting clothes that actually fit you and eating foods that your body actually agrees with. Self-doubt will sabotage you every time. Look at those jeans in the back of the closet. Remember when you used to fit in those? That's what the enemy says. God says, hey, welcome to the closet. What clothes are going to fit you today? And how can we look the best and feel the best? That's it. No, that's not biblical. (laughs) Okay, so I want you to think about that today. And I hope this episode really helped to bring more awareness to how self-doubt is ruling over your thoughts, your reactions, and your habits. And equally, what you can do, how you can take that to Jesus, to the word, pray over it, and allow yourself to just truly move on. The enemy wants you to keep those too tight jeans or those too big shirts. The enemy wants you to go and sabotage on candy and chips and ice cream all day long or creamy coffees that give you high anxiety because you pump too much caffeine and too much sugar so your adrenals are spiked and then they're crashing and then your gut is getting out of whack because you're depleting all the minerals from it. The enemy is guiding you to do that because of your lack of confidence in God and in his confidence in you. God has a confidence in you because he designed you, because he designed you for a purpose for him and his kingdom. And he knows that if you follow through with having the confidence in him, that you will see out his plan. And he knows that because he designed you to do that. So when your confidence is in him, all things go according to plan, which means that your plan in the right direction, in alignment with greater and bigger and bolder and confidence and empowerment and love and caring and gentleness and nurturing, all work together accordingly to his plan. Don't let the enemy derail this in you in your life anymore. I know that you are so much more capable of greatness and it really starts with one decision at a time. This unpacking of self-doubt took me three years so don't expect to unpack it and get it all out in one shot though maybe this episode hopefully this episode 
helped you to condense the time. My job with my clients and with you guys on this podcast is to condense the time that it takes you to build the awareness and have the awareness of what it is that you're doing and why you're doing it so that you can just bring it to Jesus and be healed. And I want to like caveat this. If you have gut health issues or any sort of inflammation issues or skin issues or fertility issues or digestive issues, if you have any of those things, yes, God is a miracle worker, but let's please not negate the fact that there are physical specialists for a reason and you will still need to replenish your own nutrients and restore your own body and detox things from it too. Like don't negate your part in also needing to take responsibility for just simply where you're at too. That doesn't mean he can't create a miracle in you. But let's not just only rely on that in hopes that it just all gets sorted out, right? Let his will also be inspired in you to take the courage and the actions necessary to move forward with your healing too. I love you guys. Shoot me a message on Instagram. Let me know what you think about this episode. I really hope that it helps create a lot of breakthroughs for you because in him you are restored and that's what's most important here. All right. I love you. I will see you next week. Take care, loves. I hope you enjoyed this episode and found the faith and encouragement you needed to rise up and conquer. I'm on a mission to impact 500,000 women with this work, and I need your help to do it. If you could leave a five-star review and share this with a friend, I will be forever grateful. Remember, Jesus is the only name that can conquer all darkness, and it is up to you to choose him daily so that you can live a purpose-filled, Holy Spirit-led life too. Oh, 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 o